Hello. Today I want to talk about people who like Jesus, his character and his teaching, but no, but don't know or trust that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is God, of the same essence, power and grace and purpose as the Father and the Holy Spirit. Jesus has often been called a great teacher, a wonderful example of kindness and goodness, but many of the people who admire him don't see him as God. Sometimes that's because they do not think there is a God, but more often it's for other reasons. You may be one of them, and I hope that I can that what I say today will help you see Jesus is more than a good teacher and a great leader. Some people want to explain Jesus' miracles and tales of his birth and resurrection as myths that were built up after he died. They can admire his ethics, but that is as far as they want to take it. Some think that God may have given or loaned some of his powers to Jesus. Uh, People have been thinking that since at least the second century. They see Jesus as a really good human on whom God gifted some of his powers. This to them explains the stories of his miracles. They recognise that you need divine power to turn water into wine, to feed thousands from a few loaves and fishes, to calm storms and heal by word or touch. But they see these powers as a gift from God, not evidence that Jesus was himself God, was himself divine. Of course, there are some who who don't like Jesus at all. Uh, Some see him as embodying weakness and a horrible sense of what is good. These people included the philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche and Adolf Hitler and other people who idolise power and hate the needy and humble. But let's leave Jesus' critics to one side. I want to think about people who see so much goodness in Jesus so much that they can find attractive and just don't think that Jesus is God. They see him as someone to be admired, but not worshipped or followed to the end. Mahatma Gandhi said, Jesus to me is a great world teacher among others. The Scottish comedian Billy Connolly said, I can't believe in Christianity, but I think Jesus was a wonderful teacher. And in saying that, he he speaks for many people around the world. The British writer C.S. Lewis famously said, You must make your choice. Either this man, Jesus, was and is the Son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronising nonsense about him being a great human teacher. He's not left that open to us. I think logically there is a third alternative, that the gospel stories are not true, but I think the historical evidence is against that, and I won't go into that today. You may wonder what this has to do with our readings today from Isaiah 28 and Luke chapter 6. Um, You may be thinking, that, particularly with the second reading, that I'm going to be looking at the way that Jesus is teaching and his character and the way that he engages with us gives us a really good base with which to deal with the pandemic. Uh, And certainly that's true. But 
it's really something else that I want to look at today. Um, it's the way that this teaching actually shows us something about Jesus that really makes him fully able to help us in our difficulties. It's, it's not just good teaching that actually will help us. It's what we see in this passage. Because in the teaching today, uh, in Luke 6, Jesus doesn't just provide some sound advice. Uh, at a practical level, any builder or engineer knows you need good foundations for a building to stand. And at a metaphorical level, we know success comes most often to people who build up to what they want to achieve uh, with a good education or good experience or for a sports person, fitness, training and honing their skills. And likewise, with people in the arts, we need good foundations for all that we do. And on the surface, all Jesus says is, if you want to survive what this world will throw at you, build a firm foundation. Who can disagree with that? But you don't need to be God to say that. Today I want to look at our passage to see how Jesus says, in effect, that he is Lord. And then I'll explain why it is better to see him as Lord than just a good teacher. Jesus doesn't introduce this sound advice by saying, listen to me, I've got some good advice that will help you get on in life. He starts it with a question. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show them what they are like. Uh, his message is not so much about how to get on in life. It is that what we do shows who we are. The word Lord here means master, not God. People were not yet calling Jesus the Lord God. Uh, that would come possibly right at the very end of his life, but certainly after it, but, but not in these early stages of his teaching. So it appears that Jesus was saying, if you call me master, then treat me as your master and do as I say. If you build your life on what I say, you will do well. And, and any leader of a country or army or a company could say the same. A parent might say the same. So what has this got to do with Jesus being God? Well, Jesus also said, whoever has ears, let them hear. To say in as many words, I am God, would have quickly brought Jesus' ministry and life to an end. The Roman emperors, who liked to be treated as gods, didn't like competition. But those with ears to hear, who know the scriptures, will hear Jesus saying, I am God. Loudly and clearly in this passage, I am God. The passage is as much about who Jesus is as how we should follow him, building on his sound foundation. The passage comes at the end of a teaching that is called the Sermon on the Plain. It is a shorter but almost parallel passage to his famous Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5 to 7. That also includes a passage like this, the main difference being 
that there he draws the distinction between someone who builds on rock rather than sand. Those with ears to hear will hear the similarity between our two readings today. One from the book of Isaiah, written 700 years before Jesus, and our passage from Luke's Gospel. Let's look first at the parable that Isaiah tells in chapter 28. It comes in a passage where Isaiah is warning Israel about the dangers of relying on Egypt to protect it from the regional superpower, Assyria. They are told their refuge lies in the truth that comes from their God, not from earthly alliances. It goes like this. Therefore, thus says the Lord, Behold, I am the one who has laid as a foundation in Zion a stone, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone of a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not be in haste. And I will make justice the line and righteousness the plumb line. And hail will sweep away the refuge of lies and water will overwhelm the shelter. Then your covenant will death will be annulled and your agreement with Sheol will not stand. When the overwhelming scourge passes through, you will be beaten down by it. Isaiah likens um, a covenant uh, with Egypt to making a covenant with death. And this is because the Egyptian worldview was based on death. Just think of the pyramids. He is saying that a covenant with Egypt will end in destruction. But that was not the end, because God had promised a sure foundation in Zion, in Jerusalem, and would lay a sure foundation there, and that would survive any storm or adversary. That sure foundation would be Jesus, but that's not what I want to talk about today. That's not the point I'm really looking at here. Let's look at the similarities with the words of Jesus. Each parable... Isaiah 28 and uh, Luke 6 has two houses. The water or storm appear in both. The foundation is critical to both. In both, people are called to hear the word. Hearing the word means acting on that word, trusting that word, trusting the one who spoke the word above any other way of being. In Isaiah 28, Isaiah calls the reader to hear the word of the Lord. Jesus, in our second passage, calls his listeners to hear and do my words. Will we get it? Will we have ears to hear? Jesus is not saying, my words are better than the words of the Lord. He is saying, my words are the words of the Lord, because I am the Lord. When Jesus speaks, God speaks, not simply as a prophet like Isaiah, but as God himself. The people ask Jesus for signs of who he was, and he did miracles that proved he must be divine. But many still do not believe him, did not believe him. He predicted that he would be killed and would be raised to a new resurrected life to vindicate all that he said and all that he did. But still some would not believe him. He said he and his father were one. 
He said the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, would proceed from the Father and the Son. And a divine spirit can only come from someone who is divine himself. But we need to be listening. So in our parable today, in in other ways, Jesus certainly spoke and acted as if he was Lord. And as the Lord, he is our sure foundation, the foundation that will see us through all the difficulties, particularly the difficulties that we're going through at the moment. But does it really matter if someone doesn't share this belief that Jesus is Lord? If they see Jesus as a fine teacher and the champion of the ethics by which they want to live and which would make this world a better place, wouldn't that be enough? Uh, If they followed Jesus' teaching, they would still be a good person and certainly better than many Christians who believe that Jesus is Lord but fall short of following him in their lives. They would still live a life um, caring for others uh, and being generous and honest and, uh, and loving other people. So does it really matter? Well, here I could mention a number of arguments that theologians make to show that it does matter that we see Jesus as Lord, we believe him to be Lord. Arguments that, uh, like, unless we acknowledge Jesus as Lord, God does not get the glory and praise he deserves. Arguments like we should want to know and live the truth. Equally, it does seem that if one hears the truth about Jesus, then to deny it means we miss out on sharing his victory on the cross and all that flows from that. John 3.16 says, God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him, which means believes he is Lord, should not perish but have eternal life. Not that those who like his ethics will not perish and have eternal life. It's hard to avoid that Jesus says that he alone is the way, the truth and the life. But there are three other reasons I want to mention. Uh, The first is longer than the second and third. The first is that if we do not see Jesus as God, we miss out on a wonderful dimension of life. And that is the spiritual dimension. I've touched on this before, but it's worth going over again. We are spiritual beings. We are not just flesh and blood. We do not just live to survive and pass on our genes. Our thoughts and emotions are not just electrochemical reactions in our brains. They transcend our physicality and have meaning in another dimension. I did a lot of my growing up in Sydney. I went to a high school at Irmington and university at North Ryde. I liked sport and beach, uh, going to the beach and camping and theatre and reading and cycling and beer. I helped set up an independent legal aid centre at Parramatta and helped people in prison with their legal problems. Some of my friends only talked about sport and drinking, but with some we used to explore subjects like politics, economics and philosophy. But in the 70s, none of my close friends were religious and I never seriously considered the spiritual. 
I read Sartre, de Beauvoir, Karl Marx, Germaine Greer, Michel Foucault, but not the Bible. I really had no sense of the spiritual at school, at uni, or when I started work. When I worked in Europe for a couple of years, I went to many cathedrals, but never thought of the God they were built to celebrate and worship. And then I went to work in Singapore, and that was different, because most of the people around me, except the British, Aussie and American expats, seemed to have some sense of something I could only call spiritual. The streets were taken over by Hindu festivals, Chinese shops and restaurants had little shrines in them. The many Muslims in Singapore and in Indonesia and Malaysia, where I also worked, observed Ramadan, which had completely passed me by in the 1970s living at West Ride. It's different in parts of Sydney today, but back then there was just no mention of it. Many of my Chinese clients were Western in many ways, but some were also devout Christians. Singapore is much more Christian than Australia, and that made me think for the first time that there may be more to life than I can see and touch. That there was a whole dimension that I was blind to. In some ways it was a bit scary and certainly humbling. How, could, how wrong could I be? But also wonderfully enlivening. It was the most exciting time of my life. I felt alive in a way that I'd never felt before. And for me, that new life came with new understanding of who Jesus was, and in a time, a trust that he is God. When I became a Christian, the thing I found overwhelming, wonderful, utterly surprising, a joy and a comfort, was the feeling that there was a God who loved me. I had to go into places I'd never been before to come to believe there was a God. <coughs> but I hadn't expected this feeling of being loved. And while I had got on well with some of my teachers in high school, I would much rather be loved by the Lord Jesus than by one of my teachers. And that is the choice. Do we get on board with a God uh, with a good teacher, or do we get on board with Jesus, who created the heavens and the earth and knows and loves us? I want to avoid saying to someone who does not have this sense of the spiritual, you don't know what you're missing out on. It wouldn't have worked with me, and it's patronising. But I think if we're careful, we can help people to question if perhaps there is more to life than just the physical, and more to our place in the world than having a good teacher. If we only approach Jesus rationally, intellectually, seeing his ways as good, we miss out on the richness of seeing this world as his creation, of being moved and shaped by his Holy Spirit, and being connected with other people in ways that I could never have imagined. I would have missed out on turning up on islands off the east coast of Africa to teach the Bible and immediately having a connection with fishermen and the descendants of slaves because we share a common love, a common saviour, and we know that we are loved by the same God, a God we meet in Jesus. 
that we have a spiritual connection, not just with each other, but with each other and God. I felt the same when I came here and got to meet the Scar Tree mob. I am not connected to this land as they are, but we are still connected in a wonderful way because we know who Jesus is. We are excited by Jesus and we worship Jesus as our Lord. We share the spiritual meal of bread and wine because we know that Jesus made us and that our futures are with Jesus. In some ways, I think it's better to know this spiritual dimension and feel the love of God in Jesus and not be a particularly good person than to be a good citizen, to, to do good, to help others, to be truthful and reliable and yet have no sense of the spiritual dimension of life. Because I don't think that only being good is life. The second reason why I think it's important to see Jesus as Lord is that without a sense that he is Lord and his teaching is from God himself, we can be tempted to pick and choose the bits we like and ignore the bits we don't. After all, what does it matter if I think less of a person because they are poor or of a different colour? Or what does it matter if I don't share Jesus' view on what I should do with my time or the things he gives me? But if I know that all Jesus' teaching is from God himself, I really can't get away with being selective. Because who am I fooling? Only myself. In the parable, Jesus says we are to hear and do his words, not just some of them. A foundation with bits missing is no foundation at all. And finally, knowing Jesus is God means I can call on him to help me follow his ways. I don't have to do it on my own. He's promised me his Holy Spirit. I can pray and know that Jesus is listening. I can ask for help and know that he will give it to me. Uh, in this time of the pandemic, I don't need just good teaching to get me through it. I need that teaching. I need that sure foundation. But I need Jesus as well. Jesus, the one who is Lord. But the best part of knowing Jesus is Lord is the first point that I made. That we are spiritual beings and that we are loved by God. Knowing Jesus is Lord is knowing we are loved by God. And I pray that that is what we all believe and that we know his love. Amen. <laughs>